this morning. If you would turn with me, you can be seated. Turn with me uh, to the book of Malachi, chapter 3. As is our normative practice, we're studying through a book of the Bible sequentially. Uh, This morning we're going to begin in verse 6 of chapter 3, having ended last week in chapter 3, verse 5. This morning we're going to examine verses 6 through 12. Uh, First, we will pray for God's grace in the Holy Spirit, and we will read the text aloud. Then we'll divide the text and make some observations and applications. So first, uh, let us pray together. Father in heaven, we come to your throne of grace this morning. We are in need of your grace this morning. We ask for your grace to illuminate the word of God to our minds that we might understand it. We ask, Lord, for your grace to affect our hearts, to feel the impact of your word. We plead for grace that you would move our wills to obedient faith. We pray this morning for all who would gather in the name of Christ throughout our region, throughout our nation this morning. Pray for the church that gathers at Baker Creek this morning. I ask, Father, that you empower Pastor Dax with boldness and clarity as he proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. Draw those who gather there and who gather here to you in repentance and faith. I ask, Lord, this morning that you revive, restore, and reform your people. May your will be done. Father, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word this morning from Malachi chapter 3. We will begin in verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. This is God's inherent, infallible, inspired word. You can be seated. You can be seated. There's a command of God. It is a command of God. There is a plea that comes from the loving, omnibenevolent, holy God. And it comes for our nation and for our churches And this is the same command, the same plea given through the messenger to Judah in the book of Malachi. And his message is this. Return to me. Return to me and I will return to you. 
You might be ready to disagree with what I'm about to say, but to quote a good teacher that I admire, Stephen Lawson once said, if you are about to be offended by what I'm about to say, it's okay, you can apologize to me later. Our national problem of drifting into moral decay began with the church drifting away from worshiping God according to his true nature and according to his character. The church began and in many cases continues today to worship a God that they created in their own image rather than bearing his image according to the revealed attributes that we see in Holy Scripture. So as we saw from last week in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. But with this warning, the omina, benevolent God is pleading with His people to return to Him. Return, having reformed your worship according to the character and nature of God as it has been revealed to you in the Word of God. Return to the Lord in repentance. Meaning, having turned from vain worship, turning from half-hearted, partial obedience, return to me, Yahweh says, and you will find that I will return to you. Though, the truth of the matter is, I have never forsaken my people. It is my people who have drifted away from me. And as we begin our passage in verse 6, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For I, the Lord, do not change. Yahweh mentions here that his attributes, that is, that which exists in himself, are unchanging. Specifically, Yahweh is stating that his love, his mercy, his grace, his faithfulness has never changed will not change, and cannot change. Though the attribute here that is highlighted is Yahweh's immutable nature, His unchanging nature. That is, that He never ceases to be other than what He is. When our finite human minds contemplate the attributes of God, we often, we must think of them as separate parts. We perceive that there might be some tension between God's loving kindness and His wrath between mercy and justice. But God is not the sum of parts as we think of ourselves, right? Like we think of ourselves as money, body, mind, and spirit, and that somehow our body, our minds, and our spirit, they work together in a synergistic way to make a whole person. But God cannot be separated into parts, or he would cease to be himself, if God ceased to be one part of his attribute to highlight another attribute, he would cease to be himself. God is all things that he is, all at the same time, always. God is harmonious in all of his aspects. What I mean by that is that he is always in his godness, God. There are not multiple attributes of God, but there is one divine essence that is God. And He is all of those things. And what this is known as is divine simplicity. God is simple. 
You might be thinking, God is simple. It's a blasphemous thing to say. But God is simple in this, that God is God. God is simply God. He is who he is. He is spirit, undivided, singular, uncompounded. He is one without body parts. He is one without passions. He's not changed by outside sources. He is that he is. God's wrath, judgment, mercy, justice, forbearance, and loving kindness in his godness always is inseparable. He is the omnibenevolent God. He is goodness in himself always. In the time of Malachi, Judah has looked upon their current circumstances and they've looked backwards and they think that the past was so much more glorious. The temple was superior in bygone days. God's presence was more, was more apparent to them. God was more favorable toward them back in the day and so on. James Boyce sums up Judah's attitude this way, quote, We have been utterly faithful in fulfilling our responsibilities towards you, God. Never mind the divorces, never mind the mixed marriages, never mind the ties. We have kept our end of the bargain through the things that we seem, uh, that seem very important to us. In our religiousness, we have been faithful to you, God. In the things that were important to us, we have been faithful. And the problem in their mind is that God has not kept his side of the bargain. We have been faithful. See, God has not prospered us the way that we think he ought to. So therefore, God has been unfaithful. He's not prospered us how we thought he ought to, as he should. So the fault for our condition is God's alone. This is the attitude of Judah. And it is an echo of the attitude of Israel historically, isn't it? Exodus 14, 11, and 12, as they uh, are talking to Moses, they said, It is because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? You've been free from slavery. And listen to this. This is the gripe. You've been freed, been brought out of slavery. Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. At least when we were slaves, they were saying, God was faithful to protect us and he was providing for us. And see, where they're at right now is, is this attitude is this, that obedience in their minds, it doesn't pay off in the end. Obedience is not paying off. The old days were better, and the future looks horrible. God, you've been unfaithful to us because we're not prospering the way we think that you ought to have prospered us. It's not like the days of old. This is their gripe and their complaint and their attitude. We are often uh, guilty of romanticizing the past like Israel did, aren't we? We can look back at our past and see it as much rosier than it really, really was. We see it as prosperous, forgetting the fact that like, like Israel, freed from sin, freed from the bondage of slavery, we can look back at our past and say it was easy for, easier for me then. God was prospering me then. 
We can forget that it was sin that entangled us and long to go back to yesterday because it seemed to be better and tomorrow doesn't look very good. If we can only go back to the way things used to be. Well, there's a, there's a book called The Autopsy of a Dead Church. And in this book, it says one of the, one of the signs that your church is dead is that it is longing for days gone past. Old glory days. Thinking of the glory days and not thinking of the future and the present, that the Lord is present with us. It's like in the words of a Billy Joel song, the good old days weren't all that good and tomorrow isn't as bad as it seems. And even in Billy Joel's song, he says, I'm keeping the faith. I'm keeping the faith for today. Right now, you can fall. Can, can we sit here right now and think back to yesterday and go, can I follow Christ today for my failures yesterday? Can I do anything about the fact that I was disobedient and unfaithful in the past? Can I live there? No. Right now, can you follow Christ for tomorrow? You don't have tomorrow guaranteed. Can you follow Christ tomorrow? You can only follow Christ today. You can return to Him today. As Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. Who will you follow? And see, the enemy likes to distract us with this. Either like regret about yesterday, distract us with romanticizing about yesterday, thinking it was better than it was, or projecting the future, making us think about the future in such a way that we fail to recognize and enjoy the goodness of God that is sufficient for today's trouble. Today is the day to return and follow the Lord. For the Lord, for I the Lord do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi's message from Yahweh. The only reason, Judah, that you have not been eliminated, the only reason why you haven't been eliminated is because I told you, as I told you in the beginning, in Malachi 1 verse 2, he says, I have loved you. And he's telling him this again, despite your apostasy, that I would define as a departure from faith, a drifting away from faithful practice. He says, despite your rebellion, I have not changed. My love, my grace, and my faithfulness towards you remain. Your fathers turned from me, and so have you also. You have been mixing with foreign gods and worshiping me, not according to my nature, but according to your own nature. And then, you apply your character to me. Return to me, and I will return to you. But you say, how shall I return? How shall we return? See, this response from, from Judah 
is the height of hubris, isn't it? It is a prideful self-assurance that they have acted righteously. How shall we return? How is it? They're really more saying not how shall we return, like in what way? It is how is it that we are far away from you? How is it that we have failed to remain with you? This is a prideful self-assurance that they've acted righteously. Again, it's like a whiny adolescent. Oh, how would we have any reason to have to return to you? We've acted according to our very own high standard of religious adherence. We've done a good job. We defy you, God, to make a charge that we have been unfaithful. God, you should just ignore our marital infidelity. Ignore that we have syncretized our worship. We are a righteous, religious people. How is it that we need to return? It is you, God, who have not been faithful according to our standard. God begins to answer their statement, how shall we return? With another question. Will man rob God? How shall we return? Return to me, Yahweh says. Return to me based on my love for you, my mercy, grace, and my forbearance toward you. Return to me according to my holiness, according to my righteousness, and not your own sense of religious adherence and self-reliance. Return to me all the glory that is due me. Return to me the love with which I have loved you. You see, God would say, the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. Return to me. Hold nothing back for vainglory. I have told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Return to me and you will find me. I have been faithful to my covenant of grace with your fathers and even until now. Return to me, and you will find that I have never left you, nor have I forsaken you. Return to me according to who I am, and you will know that I am present with you always. For us, I might ask us this this morning, are there ways in which you have drifted away from God? Have the cares of this life pulled you away from worship? Does it seem futile to obey the commands of God when the worldly seem to prosper and you struggle each month maybe to make your mortgage? Do you remember back when you were first a believer in Christ? Do you remember, at least I do, I remember this, my excitement to tell the world the love of God that I had found in Christ Jesus? Do you remember a time back when Every time that the church doors were open, every time there was an invitation to fellowship with his people, you made sure that your calendar was clear, that you could be there. Do you remember how excited you got as you were reading his word and you discovered a truth that you had never seen before? And such, such an excitement that you always wanted to have the word of God with you, ready to open it up to read it again. And there was just not enough time in the day to hear from God's word as much as you wanted to. See, Jesus' letter to the church at Ephesus calls them to repent and return to him, to remember, to remember his love and to return to him the love that they had at the very first. 
In Revelation 2, verses 2 through 4, it says, He commends them. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at the first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. It is time to return to God. It is time for us to return to Him everything. Not a partial, half-hearted worship, but to return to Him. As 1 Peter 4.17 says again, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And the plea from God's messenger in Malachi, the plea through the preaching of His word this morning is this, Return to me. I am the God who has loved you. I sent my Son that whosoever believe in me, I have granted him or her eternal life. I am the God who has been merciful to you, even in your unfaithfulness. Return to me. I have not changed. There is no shadow of turning with me. Return to me. Remember the works that you did when you first discovered my love for you. Repent. Reform. Meaning, return to proper form. The worship that is due me according to who I am. According to who I have shown myself to be for you. I am unchangingly the omnibenevolent God, return to me and I will return to you. Stop robbing me by giving me less than what is due to me. How have we robbed God? This is their next statement. But how have we robbed God? When I think about this for us, how do we, the church today, rob God? When we stay up too late Saturday night so that we cannot bear an hour of preaching without napping. How have we robbed God? By giving Him the Lord's Day only when it doesn't conflict with fishing or a kid's soccer game. How have we robbed God? By being a hearer of the Word with no intention of obeying it. How have we robbed God? By offering less than our best. By offering only a corner, a portion of our lives. How have we robbed God? By being consumers of worship rather than contributors to worship. C.S. Lewis writes this in Mere Christianity, which I have rearranged for theological accuracy. How dare me, but I, I have. Christ says... I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own shall become yours. Give me all of you. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your talents and money, or so much of your work. I want you. All of you. I have not come to torment or frustrate the natural man or woman, but to kill it. No half measures will do. I don't want only to prune a branch here or prune a branch there. Rather, I want the whole tree out. Hand it over to me, the whole outfit, all of your desires, all of your wants and wishes and dreams. Turn them all over to me. Give yourself to me. 
To give less than all is to have drifted away. To give less than everything is to have drifted away from God, to have robbed God of the glory that is due Him, that is due His unchanging love, mercy, and grace for us who believe. We are completely faithless if we are only partially faithful. That one stung me in the heart as I prepared this passage. That I am completely faithless, faithless if I've only partially been faithful. Because God is worthy of everything. He's worthy of complete obedience, complete faithfulness from us. Of course, in our own human strength, is that not impossible? Or we hide ourselves and we pursue this in Jesus Christ, who is, was always faithful, continues to be faithful, and remains faithful, and has always done the will of God perfectly. But we've only been partially faithful. And even in our partial faithfulness, sometimes our faithfulness is according to our own measure of what that means to be obedient. We have a measure of what we, what we think it means to be fully faithful to the Lord. And if we accomplish those things that we've set up for ourselves that, that say that we are completely obedient, then we've done it. But in our, human, in our human strength, that's only a partial obedience. We have to entrust ourselves to the good grace of God in Jesus Christ. Now, let us continue. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. This is the charge. Now we get to verse 10. He says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field and shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Nowhere in the New Testament are believers instructed to give a tenth or even any portion of their income to the ministry. The tithe was an Old Testament regulation designed to support a particular class of people. But when we think uh, as Christ teaches in the New Testament, the obligations of the Old Testament law are heightened, not lessened. They are heightened, not lessened. It's hard to imagine that with the blessing of Christ in the gospel that a Christian would consider that they want to desire to contribute less than the Old Testament obligation. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It belongs to Him. A tithe is, is such a mere offering in response to the love of God, isn't it? I don't want 10% of your life. I don't want 10% of your life. Your life 100% belongs to the Lord. What does He want in return? All of you. All of it. Everything. It all belongs to Him. Problem is, is that we don't trust God very much, do we? We don't trust Him with all of it. If I give Him all of it, I won't have anything left. We don't trust Him with all of it. 
You see, Christians who know the love with which they have been loved, what they think about offering to the Lord is this, how much do I get to give? Not how much do I have to give? See, these were thinking about 10%, right? I need to give 10%. That's what the law requires. We, but they haven't, they didn't even meet that, right? They didn't even meet that. How much do I have to give? No. For us who are in Christ, who understand the love of God for us in Him, the heart of one who knows that they are loved as much as we are loved by Him, the God who is always faithful and unchanging, we say, how much do I get to give? What an honor it is to give. How much do I get to give to Him? In this section, God calls first for obedience. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. This is his command. The command of God to repent and return to right relationship begins with obedience. Bring all of it. Bring everything in. Bring all that I deserve. Bring all that I am worth. Bring everything in. That is the first call in this section is the call for obedience. When God calls us to repent, calls us to return, the first step is a step of obedience. And then next we see that God challenges and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. He calls for obedience and then he challenges us. He challenges them. Test me. What he's saying to them is, will you try it God's way? Will we just try it God's way? Will you see that if we try it His way, His way is best? Thirdly, he calls his, his, uh, his call to repentance and his challenge, and he gives a promise. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the fields I shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Will you take the challenge of God this morning? Will you repent and return to Him? Will you return to that which formed you? That's really what it is. If we've drifted away, Know this, that God is unchanging and he loves you still and his mercy and grace are the same as they were yesterday. His faithfulness toward you has not left. But when he, if you have drifted away and he's calling you to return to him, return to that which formed you in him, his grace, his mercy, and his love for you. Will you take the challenge and hold nothing back from him? Will you faithfully obey in difficult circumstances, trusting this, that God's way is best. This is difficult, but what makes sense to me as a man is to hold on to a bit for me. Will you trust Him with everything? Will you give to the Lord until it stretches you to the point where you have to trust Him? Remember the times, uh, the hardest times for us as a family financially is when we had absolutely zero. They were the best times as well. They were times when we saw the goodness of God work because we had to trust Him. 
We couldn't trust in anything else. We had to trust in him. And I think because of affluence in our society, we often don't think we have to trust him. I need to trust in my ability to do this or that or the other thing. I need to trust in my ability to manipulate my situation so that it turns out in my favor. God calls us to trust him, to do it his way, to give till it hurts and see if he won't bring to you and to I a blessing. And even if he doesn't, if he doesn't bring us abundance or prosper us in the way that we think we ought to, Will you put your faith and hope in the ultimate reward over your success? Will you do that over success here and now? Will you know that the ultimate reward is coming? That there's a reward for faithfulness coming? You may not seem to prosper in the way that you think you ought to now, but God is prospering you for eternity. There's a future and a hope for you and for I who put our trust in the Lord, who give our all. Verse 12 says, Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. See here, Yahweh promises ultimate blessing to Judah. Here's your ultimate blessing. If you will return to me, if they bring themselves and their offerings in full, if they trust in his promises, the ultimate reward is that they will be a people that the world will call blessed. The world around us marginalizes the church of Jesus Christ, doesn't it? We're not called blessed by the world. We seem to have lost influence. I wonder, though, this is just the mind of Jeff, okay? I wonder if the church reformed, that is, if we, instead of conforming to worldly principles, that the church returned to form return to God's form. If the church esteemed the Lord's day higher than the best day of fishing, if the church gave all of their best to the Lord, I wonder if we did church God's way, I wonder if we wouldn't see the blessing of a resurgence and a revival in our nation. Would people look at the church and see You know what? Kingdom living is best. Would that not be a great reward for obedience? God is calling us to return to Him. To return to Him. Going to Him. And think of this, guys. It is such good news that God is unchanging. He's not changed. He's unchanging. You and I may have drifted far away. But but God says, return to me. I am the unchanging God. I have loved you. I have shown you grace and mercy again and then again and again through your failure. There is no failure that has taken you so far away that you cannot return to me. Because I am who I am. I in my godness am always good. I in my godness am always true to what the promises I've made to you. Return to me. Let us take a moment to reflect on God's word in silence.